0: You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. G'day everyone, welcome to Burley Church Online. Happy Father's Day! Um, it's great that you can join us from wherever you're joining us um, from anywhere. There's some people doing some joining us from some crazy places around the world, and it's so good to have you. And um, in Australia, it's Father's Day, and so Happy Father's Day, regardless from where you are. Um, as part of a pastor's job you get to be part of the highs and lows of people's lives you get to be a fly on the wall sometimes and it's an absolute privilege and um this particular funeral actually i was a part of a couple of years ago has stayed with me as i actually got to spend some time with a family um the night before a funeral for their father and um I got to hear this family share some stories and I think it impacts or has something to say to us today. I remember sitting there and hearing these siblings that were fairly disconnected, that had grown up in a fairly strict home, that didn't have great connection with each other and their parents. And I remember them sitting around, they'd all flown in and they were telling stories about their childhood. And as I sat there, I heard stories about Victimhood. I heard stories from them talking about how the parents were always strict on them and easy on the other siblings. <laughs> I heard others talk about that they were the ones that cop the brunt and that they got it, the other siblings got it easy. I heard stories about one feeling like they were the black sheep of the family and they were misunderstood while the others were okay. And I was fascinated as they, the night turned later and they shared and shared and shared these stories These things that they'd made identities about themselves. And then as they started to share and unpack and hear and listen as the night grew late, I never forget a line from siblings that were highly disconnected, but for the first time in decades had heard each other's stories. One of them said, the youngest said to the oldest, I believe, I never knew you felt that way. It took a funeral, it took connection, it took late night conversation for them to realise that perhaps the story that they'd told themselves wasn't completely accurate or at the very least wasn't worth this disconnection that they had had for years. Some of them even living in the same suburb but not seeing each other for the last 20 years until their father had passed away. It stuck with me we, because I know we all have stories we tell ourselves. When it comes to family, when it comes to friends, we all have identities that we've, we've grown up with. We all have re- ways that we think events have happened, disconnections, connections. Some of us have caused disconnection for good reason, and I want to be really clear here. Some of us has distanced ourselves from friends or close family because of abuse, lies, manipulation, and, and that's totally fine. That's not, what I'm, that's not what I'm addressing today. Rather, I'm talking about the things that we put in our lives, the stories we tell ourselves that create barriers, cycles of victimhood, cycles of defense. They can stop us from connecting, from understanding who we are and understanding the other person's side of things, the other person's stories. And then widely, because it's Father's Day, remember, <laughs> I couldn't help but think, I wonder how that works when it comes to a heavenly father. I wonder what stories we're telling ourselves. I wonder what identity we've told ourselves that may not be 100% correct. And I wonder how that affects our relationship with Dad. And so, the question, one question today that really is the, I just hope is the one question we ask. Today, as we sit in our lounge rooms, as we watch from all around the world, as we, as we sit in church, the question of what's your relationship like with your dad? And of course, I'm talking about your heavenly father. What's your relationship like with your dad? Well, Paul speaks to this in Galatians, a book that we've actually been in through the Fruits of the Spirit series, which we're going to continue Um, But we get to unpack some more scripture this morning. So let me just encourage you, Galatians 3, 23, let me have a read of, yeah, this part of the letter to these people about their identity. Let's have a listen and then um, we'll unpack this a little bit. Now, before faith comes, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. <laughs> for as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither no male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we were also, we were children. We were enslaved to the elementary principle of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, Christ sent forth his son born of women, under, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son, then an heir through God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that, by the nature, are not God's. But now that you have come to know God or rather be known by God, how can you turn your back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I have may labored over you in vain. A book to the early church a book which we've been discussing right through this series. The same uh, two paths Paul outlines once again. You can head down the path of control, forcing yourselves, trying, working, trying to be better, putting rules and laws into place, forcing fruit, whatever that looks like, painting the roses red, faking it. Or you can let go of your sense of control and you can walk in the spirit, practicing the ways of Jesus, not to perform, but to practice, grow, walk in and with the Father in this identity that Paul wants us to know. See, the writer here is addressing the two stories that we tell ourselves, if you like, one of disconnection. One group is telling themselves at this time, that they need to work, they need to earn approval, they need to strive for the for dad's love. They need to tick boxes, they need to be busy doing stuff for daddy to love me. Paul challenges them with an alternative, a different story, one that I think is really hard to grasp sometimes if I'm honest. I'm speaking for me, but if it wasn't hard, then why is Paul writing a letter about it to a church? <laughs> It's because I think it's hard, that we're God's kids, that he wants us to approach him, that he wants to be involved in all areas of our lives. Again, simple enough, but must be complex if Paul needs to write a letter to the early church reminding them of this. And I want to remind us again of this, this Father's Day. You are sons and daughters. God has sent the spirit of the son into your hearts crying, Abba, father, you are no longer slave, but a son or daughter, and heir through God. So my th- as per normal in this series of cultivating fruit, I want to talk about three encouragements today on how we can grow closer to dad or at least at the very least check our relationship with him. Because how's your relationship going with your father? (laughs) Three encouragements I want to give today. Number one, break the barrier of shame and build trust. Let me say that one more time. My number one encouragement in walking in the spirit, in growing our relationship with dad is to break the barrier of shame and to build trust. What do I mean, Steve? (laughs) We can't help but project our own parental experience on God. It's actually completely natural and it's not, I'm not saying it's even bad. Whether it's being a father, a mother, a father type figure or a church mentor, we can't help but put our experience of them, our earthly parents and mentors onto God. Everyone does it. It's actually not that big a problem except for what if you don't have a close relationship with your parents? What if they're abusive? What if they were absent? What if they were just not involved or interested in your life or strict or yet yeah, whatever it is? What if you had a Christian mentor and they were really average and made you feel guilty instead of working and walking with you? Now, they're very real deep hurts, and we're probably not going to address them today, but I don't want to minimize them. But the reality is for the sermon today and what Paul is encouraging us with is the reality is those experiences aren't God. If your parents were distant, that isn't God. If your parents were abusive, that doesn't speak to God. God is not a broken person or even a broken church person whom has hurt you. God is God. Listen to some of the ways that the Bible and as so much talks about God's character. Psalms 145, 5 to 7. I'll meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and to sing of your righteousness. Old Testament verses there, speaking of his wondrous works. Psalms again, he loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Psalms 34, 8, oh, taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts him. He's a God that can be trusted, the Bible tells us. He's a God that can be, we can put our faith into, He's not distant, is there in all aspects of our life. The Lord is good, a stronghold in a day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. He knows you. God is not that absent father. And the Bible is full of that. If you want to know, just Google why is God good (laughs) or Google Bible verses on God's goodness. But that's all well and good if you believe the Bible. (laughs) But what if you're sitting there today and you're like, Steve, I'm new to this. I don't believe the Bible. What do I do with that? What if you're unsure? Then they're just words, aren't they? If you believe the Bible like I do, then, then they're powerful. But what if you don't? How do you know God's goodness? How do you know he's not the absent father? Well, that's why we start each video every Sunday. That is why I'm going to do it to the point of annoying us where we're going to ask as a church, at least our local church, what is God saying? What is God doing? We'll testify as a church in the big and the small. Why? Why do we do that? Because we don't just serve a God that was good for the people of the Bible. We serve. And if you ask anyone who has been in relationship with Jesus for an extended period of time through bad and good, they will testify to the fact that God is good now too. (laughs) it's not just the Bible. Jesus loves me, yes, I know, because the Bible and because his community for the last 2,000 years testifies. That's how we know it's so. This is why it's so important as a church that we tell the stories in the little, in the lots of the Father's goodness because we can cast our own shame, our own disappointments with the people in our life that are broken, And with each story, with each Sunday, with each coffee, with each small table, with each sermon, with each time we open the Bible, we can build trust and a renewed identity and come closer. Not him come closer to us, but us come closer to the Father. Break the barrier of shame and build trust. That's my first encouragement to build a good relationship with your Heavenly Father. Build that trust. Number two, break religion, build relationship. With God. James one twenty seven says this Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit orphans, widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. We know God wants us to grow in his spirit. We've been talking about that. We know he wants us to keep and not fall into the patterns, as as James says, not unstained from the world. And then Jesus summarizes the entire law into loving God and loving each other. So you have James telling us that's what, if you have to have religion, that's what it should be, helping the poor, the orphans, the widows. And Jesus telling us the one thing he wants us to do is love God and each other. Have a think about that. I'm oversimplifying it. I get that. But that's how the Bible explains what Christians do. And I've just summed that up in one paragraph. Now think about how much we've added. 2,000 years of Catholicism, corporate church building. Some of this is amazing and creative and inventive practices. And some of this is dreadful. I'm talking widely here. We add so much stuff to the essential message of what we're meant to be doing. <laughs> Actually, 2,000 years ago, Jesus got annoyed at this very, very thing. I, I love this story. It's heavy from Jesus. How's this? While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So there's this story in the Bible found in Luke where The Pharisee, the religious, um, if you don't know what a Pharisee is, just think church pastor um, or church person. Um, uh, Not quite the same, but let's go with that. Ask him to dine with him. And he went in and Jesus reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that, wait for it, he did not wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and of the dish but inside you are full of greed and wickedness you fools did not he who made the outside make the inside also but give us our arms the, those things that are within and behold everything is clean for you but woe to you church leader pharisee church person for you tithe the mint and rue so they'd say they say he they make sure they tithe every bit of mint and rue and every herb but you neglect justice and the love of god those you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe! To, so he's not saying tithing's bad. He's not saying, oh, that's bad. But you can't not just concentrate on this and not do this. <laughs> Woe to you, Pharisee, for you love the best seat in the synagogue and greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you for you're an unmarked grave <laughs> and people walk over you without knowing it. Jeez, heavy. You're dead on the inside. <laughs> Jesus also disliking, sitting with the equivalent of the church leaders. And instead of them saying, hey, Jesus, how come you can raise people from the dead? Instead of them being curious about his incredible teaching, instead of them just finding out where he gets his power from, instead of them finding out the miracles, all the things you think you'd ask Jesus, they get cranky at him because he didn't take his hat off in church. Oops, I mean, they got annoyed at him because he didn't wash his hands. How's that? All the things they should be worried about. And they worry about these little things. Getting to a point, because how often, church, do we personally and corporately put so much weight around the stuff that isn't even asked of us? We weigh ourselves down. Paul calls it slavery. We judge other people. I'm speaking from myself here. We bring in so much formality and process and religion. And we honestly do it for good reasons. I'm not even saying some of it's all bad, but we do it because we think God will love us more. God will bless us more. Daddy will like us. When he's never even asked for any of it, but to walk with us. And as James says, if you're going to have religion, at least make sure you're looking after the orphans, the poor, and being unstained by our culture. We've done bad things, yes. And yes, it causes shame and heartbreak. Yes, we're not perfect. But just trying to act, trying to create religion, trying to create all this, we're actually going back on the incredible grace of Jesus and the cross. If we're still trying to be perfect rather than in the perfect God, growing in his spirit, then Paul says at best we're slaves, forgetting that we're actually children. He wants to be present with you. He's not looking for Sunday best Steve Gray, he's looking for all of Steve Gray. He's not looking for hands cleaned or washed, even in this time. And I encourage you to go wash your hands. (laughs) Definitely, this is not a message about not washing hands. It's good to do that. But know that that's not the thing that, the the one thing that God's worried about. He's worried about you. Doesn't need you neat and tidy. He needs real Steve or Burley or whoever is listening. He's looking for stressed, a little tired, not all together, Steve, I put it Dad wants to do life with you. That should make you uncomfortable, church. That should make you twitch. If you think about the fact that the universal God wants to be that involved in your life, he's not looking for barriers and religion to get in the way. You're his through Jesus. That should make you squirm a little bit in your chair. That's why when the Pharisees hear this, it goes down the bottom. That's the first time they start to try to kill him. Because he says, I don't care about the washing the hands. What I care about (laughs) is you guys sitting with you, doing time with you, being present with you. Stop worrying about these other things, the system of control. When you start messing with people's hierarchies, when you start messing with people's way they try to control things and God and each other, then they plot to kill you. (laughs) Or at least in this modern day, they plot to get rid of you. My last point on this point is you probably would say, but Steve, we need reverence, surely. He's not just our dad. He is our father God, and 100%. So don't hear me say that reverence is bad, but reverence in the Bible is taking our shoes off in church. It's a communion with a meal and real wine. It's noisy Jewish prayer and song. Um, In the Bible, reverence is taking Sabbath. Um, And so, yes, we should be reverent but it's not to be reverent to make us closer to God or to impress him. Reverence, worship, response, and sacrifice is actually a response from what God is doing. It's not something we need to place on others, and it looks different and it has looked different for the last 2,000 years. So be reverent, be respectful to our Father, who is also the creator of the universe, but be reverent as a response out of worship and sacrifice and know that, yeah, it looked like shoes off not that long ago. It also looked like a bunch of other things that we don't do now because we're responding as our current age and our current culture to our awesome heavenly father. So, yes, you may have had a parent that told you you were never enough. You may have had someone in your life that all you could do in their eyes was fail. But that's not what God says. That's not what the Bible tells us. Through Jesus, we have become sons and daughters. Jesus did all the work. We merely claim the adoption. We mainly turn around and face him, change our mind, change our position and start following and walking in his adoption and his spirit. And when we get it all together, we start to walk the journey leads to my final point. Break pride, build the disciples and the kids. Let me say that again. Break pride, build disciples and kids. What do I mean? Is God didn't just humiliate himself, humble himself on the cross, break the bondage of sin and darkness, death and dominion, so that we could claim his adoption only, sit at the family table as sons and daughters, and then just look around and go, Well, they're not doing it right. (laughs) He didn't give us all of that so we could judge others or be superior to them. He did it so we could do our vision statement, which is we're not just a family table. We're a family table that is ever-growing, a family table that is constantly looking to extend, a family table that is looking to tell others that they are released from the dominion and darkness, that they are no longer sins, that are slaves that they don't have to walk in the slavery of sin, that despite what their parents, their mentors, the world told them, we have a new identity, a new story, a way to connect to the source, the heavenly Father God. And so if you know that, the question is, who are you discipling? Who are you mentoring? Who are you being a Christian brother and sister to? Because seriously, that's what we're meant to do. Who are you encouraging in the ways of Jesus? If you'd like to know more about that, please come have a chat to me. Of course, online, email me, email's there just below. Um, Contact us and we'd love to talk to you about what discipleship looks like because it's what it's all about. Hey, we get the table where sons and daughters of God, let's extend it. (laughs) Let's let everyone else know. Who are you freeing, walking with? Reminding of God's love and adoption. Last thing today, I'm going to ask us to have a moment of reflection. How's your relationship with your dad? I'm going to read the last bit of a verse and I can't don't know what you're doing. If you're watching this from home, I don't know what you're up to. But I'm going to ask you, if you're the best you can, let's um, just have a moment of reflection and silence and quietness as I tell you a story and then I pray and we finish up today. There's a story in the Bible, and I won't go into the whole thing, but the story is of a man who has two sons, and one of the sons basically offends his dad's life. He offends all his dad has worked for basically spits on his work and his love and what he's given his son. And his son says, Dad, pretty much, to paraphrase, I wish you're dead. Can I have my inheritance now? I want to do something else with this. Uh, And he takes um, that part from the dad and he goes and spends it. And he, wild living, it says, which when the Bible says wild living, when you know some of the wild things the Bible explains, you know it's wild living. Blows this inheritance and there's this moment of clarity. And I wonder how many people are Christian or not Christian, church girl or not church, are listening to this, that are in this world at the moment, that are seeing what's going on in and news, seeing what's going around in our world and going, this isn't working. There's got to be a better way, a better story a better person, a better thing, a better thing to dedicate my life to, a, a better way to live my life. And as he thinks the same thing as he's now eating out of pig troughs with pigs, and he thinks, do you know what? At least my father's servants had better food than this. <laughs> What's it for you? What do you, what do you reflect on? What, what, where are you at this moment thinking Maybe you don't know Jesus and you're thinking, there's got to be a better way to live. Or maybe you do know Jesus, but you've been trying to control and you've been telling yourself this story of religion and ritual and telling yourself these stories of law and trying to earn the Heavenly Father's respect. And it's just not working. You're sick of faking it. Then I would encourage you to hear this last bit because this son goes, I'll go home. I'll head home. And it says this. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And he said, I'm going to go to the father and I'm going to tell him I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against him. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to the father and he's got his little speech planned. But while he was a long way off, Imagine is nearly headed into the very long driveway of this house. <laughs> and his father saw him and was filled for compassion for his son. And he ran to him and he threw his arms around him and kissed him. Some cultural context this for a Jewish man to run at any point, it is highly embarrassing and highly frowned upon. But the father who is representing, spoiler alert, God, is so stoked he doesn't care about the ritual he doesn't care about what others are saying he doesn't care about the religion he doesn't care about the things that you've done although they heard him of course he cares that you come home that you want to do life with him now and so he runs to you Father God, our life, we pick up lots of identities. We pick up lots of things in our upbringing. We, we have experiences with mentors and parents and fathers and mothers and uncles and aunties. And we pick up all types of stories we tell ourselves. We tell, they have all magic ways to earn their trust, earn, earn their respect. And then we approach God and we do the same thing. Lord, we strive, many of us strive so hard to please you. We try to do many things. We try to swing many bells and smells and say heaps of words and do processes and do religion and, and, and work for you, trying to earn your favor, Lord, but it is already done. You remind us through the scripture. You remind us through Jesus who on the cross said it is finished. It is done. The work is done, Lord, and so for us right now, that are sitting in the mud of these identities and this religion, this slavery that we've just put on ourselves, Lord. I pray this morning we ask ourselves, what's our relationship like with you? The Bible tells us you just want us to come home. You just want to be present. You just want to work with us, walk with us. Walk in your ways. You want to love us. You're to comfort us. You're going to bring a life of restoration in us. Father, I pray on this Father's Day that, yes, we celebrate the dads and the parental figures in our life because they are a blessing. But we also celebrate the Heavenly Father and may we actually reconnect with you this morning or this afternoon. May you wrap your arms around us in this strange and quirky time and let us know that we are loved In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If anything is stirred, we'd love to hear from you. If you'd love to comment, message, however it looks, reach out. We'd love to talk further. Thanks. See you next week.